The rise of the mass media from the 19th century through to social media today has created growing awareness amongst consumers of the experiences of suffering of others around the world. This suffering is often presented as geographically distant to us and works in complex ways to inform, shock and indeed perhaps to even reassure us of our own place in the world. Such images are often designed to make us respond, to move from seeing to acting. We could call this connection and shared commitment a form of solidarity. Media solidarities, with which we are familiar with, are a key part of the contemporary media landscape. Our question today, therefore, is how and whether the kinds of solidarity affected through the technologies of social media or television are part of any measurable process of social change, or do they simply circulate within an increasingly complacent and self-righteous domain of individual consumerism? Hello and welcome to the podcast of the Geomedia Research Centre at Karlstad University in Sweden. My name is John Lynch and today I will talk with Professor Karina Nikonen about her work on this subject and her book Media Solidarities, Emotions, Power and Justice in the Digital Age. Welcome, Karina. You published a book, Media Solidarities, Emotions, Power and Justice in the Digital Age. Can I start by asking whether you think that the sorts of media and communication technologies that we have today facilitate a greater sense of solidarity between diverse people, or are they in fact a barrier? Well, that might be just the core question of my book in a way, uh, because um, it seems like the new technologies are uh, opening up um, avenues for different kinds of groups and people to express their their views and and fight for solidarity. And we can see that happening in, in different parts of the globe in in recent, uh, for example, um, Black Lives Matter movement and uh, Me Too movements and so on. So it seems to uh, enhance solidarity, but then on the other hand, it also works the opposite ways. So there are a lot of kind of contradicting uh, aspects in media, uh, in the media uh, environment today that uh, also fragment solidarities in a, in, in, a, in a very kind of um, difficult way. So I think it's a, there is no one answer to that. It works the both ways. I suppose that the heart of, of my question in a way is, uh, when I think of, when we use this word solidarity and, and I think about that in terms of my own experience and, and the role that that plays in the, that phrase itself, um, in my experience with the politics of the 1980s and 1990s, tied into the idea of solidarity, I think, was very much a sort of face-to-face aspect of that, that if you were part of a campaign, the way in which solidarity was built was to, to, to take people and to have this face-to-face. So I, I wonder 
is that something that still is essential in a way that the the, the actual recognition there is something in the face isn't there we talk about this within theory of the uh, from from levinas and others and the the face of the other and things like this the question about media technologies in that sense is whether it strips that and you do talk which which we'll talk more about the idea of affect and things but i wonder if the media does break that affective connection that you can only have face to face or just whether because of the nature of the world we're in this is something we we in a, maybe even in a generational sense we learn better to 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 deal with what what do you think well i think definitely there there are problems in in only mediated um uh kind of coming together when people only learn about things through media and and it lacks the kind of on the ground movement and participations if we look at the kind of bigger movements in in the past 10 years for example the arab spring uh, it wasn't really a twitter revolution it was really connected to the uh, on ground already existing movement so i think these are really essential for the movements to grow and to last and the same thing if we think about black lives matter movement it has that same kind of on the ground movement that's that's really important however i think there are elements in the provided by media technologies where that can enhance uh, the way people can meet and come together and often these these different kinds of uh, solidarity struggles they operate on both kind of on on or actually i would say on various various grounds but the the thing with the mediated technology is that it, it can provide uh, different types of of um, uh, communities and forums and the way these are designed and and created and how they operate I think there's uh, relevance to what kind of ability we have to actually meet. So we can meet on media and on social media, but it's not self-evident and it depends very much on, on the design and the, the kind of affective atmosphere of the communities there. In that sense, then, what would you say and what do you argue within the book is the difference between solidarity and sympathy? What's the mm. difference between those things? Media can be very good at generating sympathy. Um, yeah. But is that the same as solidarity? No, I, I think so. what is really important in solidarity that it's horizontal rather than vertical. It's something that people uh, feel that they are uh, they also feel that they are united towards the same goal. So um, often in cases that I'm researching that are connected to migration and refugees, there is a lot of compassion or, or sympathy and uh, a lot of humanitarian work that, that really works from top down. And uh, there is a, also a sense of pity that's been evolved but I think uh, solidarity is different in that sense that it's much more kind of on the same level togetherness. That's, that's the kind of essence of, 
of solidarity. And then there's, of course, discussion of, of solidarity, whether it requires a kind of unitedness in the sense that we have to feel that we are similar. And this is what I argue against. I think it's really important to understand that solidarity doesn't require that we are kind of the same, but it, 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 it goes beyond that. But yeah, there, there is definitely difference between sympathy and solidarity. So how is, if, if solidarity is, as you say, in one sense, goal-oriented, um, how is difference accommodated within, within that process then? Um, do we, is the idea that you uh, suppress the differences that we have you know, within within a particular movement or campaign, in relation to that goal, and there are things perhaps we wouldn't talk about in that uh, or avoid, because you know, I mean, difference. We, you know, there, there is a way of, of just saying, oh, we celebrate difference, but difference is also difficulty, and um, and, and and things. So again, does that does the, the does do these media technologies accentuate? You've talked about enhance. It can enhance, accentuate. Is there a sort of, are they on a spectrum or how, 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 how does that kind of map? Well, uh, first of all, I think uh, uh, it, it's quite important to, to uh, acknowledge the differences. Yeah, that's one of the kind of main ideas, what I try to also argue in the book for this type of solidarity that I, I, I find um, kind of useful. Um, in the, um, a lot of the political science and, and philosophy literature on solidarity looks at it from a very uh, kind of universalistic uh, point of view, talks about people and citizens without really kind of saying who we are talking about. And, and I think that's uh, a problematic because the differences, as you said, they are difficult, and, uh, but they are important. And, uh, and therefore, uh, there needs to be that sort of acknowledgement or visibility of difference in a way. Uh, whereas at the same time, to understand the, the common goals. So uh, I don't think it's not that much as suppressing the difference, but acknowledging it, but still seeing the, the united, the, 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 the goal that the common goal that people might have. So uh, I think that that's the, the kind of important thing. And in media technologies, uh, this is something that, that can be very easily lost and it, or it can be kind of flourished in a, in a very um, sort of <clears throat> not very productive way. Um, some scholars have argued that, the, the, for example, the social media environment is very individualistic, where we always, you know, we, we take part in things through our own profiles. So <clears throat> that already kind of can make it very cacophonic, kind of very um, um, uh, sort of uh, uh, difficult to see the unitedness. It's... And the structure of, of social media with a sort of data-driven algorithmic structure is, is uh, 
very likely to fragment and categorize audiences and our, our um, feeds that we, we live in a kind of partly different worlds. And, and that's all very uh, counter, counter to ideas of being united or being together. And this is one of those, those really big difficulties in, in today's media ecosystem that, that it's, it's really data-driven and, and that creates problems. And, and to find these sort of spaces where you can see the difference, but still have some kind of idea of, of having uh, united or common goals, that's, that's quite challenging. Indeed. I mean, I, one of the problems, for instance, I often have with um, media-led events and things is the way in which um, it's spoken about in terms of we, we are this, we. Uh, and, and to me, I find that kind of deeply problematic uh, because it, it, it is a, a way of, of, of stripping some of the fundamental the parameters of, of social problems and political problems away with some humanist idea or, or, or whatever it, it may be. Um, in, in terms of this idea then, yes, so it, social media is perhaps encourages sort of individualism uh, and so on. But is there a, how do you, how do you, how do you think about in one sense, People might argue that there's an even deeper problem in the sense that what this media does is actually shape the very essence of what people respond to. Something and, and again, you know, affect and emotion then is is key to this process. And I'm not I'm not particularly engaged in social media. It must be said, but you know, I could imagine that in terms of everything I understand about algorithms and so on, that if you express sympathy for certain things, then more material will be pushed in that way and to, towards you in that way and so on and so forth. I mean, can we, the question I suppose that that raises is whether within that forum, it's even possible to escape that, that idea that you're being manipulated. I mean, at the heart of all of this, in terms of a concern is manipulation. Um, yeah. And I mean, is, is it even possible to say that, yes, we can point to examples where campaigns or, or movements have escaped that process because it, it's all enveloping, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's, that's a very good point. And, and in many ways, it, is, it seems to be impossible to escape that because it's the kind of infrastructure of social media the, the sort of affective economy that that crafts our responses and emotions and the intensity and dynamics of what we do on social media. So, so we are really part of that. Uh, our participation is shaped by, by all of that. So that's very difficult to escape. But then, of course, I, I find that this is particularly um, relevant in terms of, of commercial social media sites because they live from, from, the, from the traffic and they, they try to feed the traffic as much as possible. And, 
and uh, all the um, all the things that we know from the news media or or the kind of old media world about about sensationalism and and uh, conflicts and dispute. I think all that applies on social media too. So the logic follows very much that that type of um, type of ideas. But then there are other things that that's not all there is on the internet. So there are a lot of um, really inspiring examples how people have been able to create something different, for example, through um, digital archives or, or making uh, independent films uh, with uh, documentaries with WhatsApp messages and things like that that are, are quite exceptional and and I think that's the potential. That's where the potential lies. That that uh, it is possible to create um, uh, kind of contents or or participations that can make us think in a different way or learn something new, and and they can touch us because I think emotions are important, but um, in a way that may open our eyes to, to something new. Yes, I certainly want to come back to, to some of those things about um, different kind of creative productions and so on. Um, but I want to explore this idea of emotion a little bit more, really. And I, I, my first question then is really, is, is solidarity always an emotional response and i'm not saying that in any negative way but just is that how it works do we do we need to be activated in somehow emotionally as as whether it's the first step or or, or so on i mean do you see um emotion as in inherent to solidarity or how, how do you how again how do you within the book how do you relate those things uh, well, well, I think uh, emotions are extremely relevant for solidarity. But um, I, my interest in in thinking through emotions uh, came out of this this kind of um, um, becoming aware how the previous uh, uh, previous literature on solidarity didn't pay that much attention to that aspect of solidarity. It, it was more about the kind of rational, rational approach to, to um, social struggles and, and maybe more about the kind of um, uh, justice and, and how we think about those things and, and our ideas and a lot less about the, the relevance of emotions in that process. And, um, and I think it's really important to see that, that emotions are connected to the way we think and to our rational minds as well. They are not separate from that. And I think this is something that I wanted to uh, bring for. And at the same time, the way, in a similar way as our thinking can be manipulated and, and challenged and, and uh, shaped, I think uh, I, I wanted to talk about how our emotions are the same in, in the same way. They are not inherent and, and just there inside us waiting to come out, but, but they are really, they, they 
they are shaped and, and they are changing and they can be manipulated. And, and I think that's part that we, we have to understand. So there is no purity in that sense. I suppose we one of the things we do is we get uh, aware of of these processes in a way, and I think, for instance, work done on uh, what used to be called famine fatigue and so on. That you know earlier uh, campaigns would operate in a fairly simple way of tragedy and and horror and things, and then people become. Uh, uh, at the very least, aware of of that and the the response. How much does again solidarity seems to me to revolve around a, an important idea of identification that we we cross from identifying as as that you know individual as an as I as me and there's a there's a reaching out and and connecting with with someone else and other. And uh, in one sense, perhaps the bigger the surface differences between us, maybe the more that that makes us, we're, we're alert to that. Um, but how do, we, how do we avoid, I mean, again, thinking about those ideas and, and the, uh, my own work is very much in terms of, of, of visual imagery and, 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 and photography starting before moving on to moving image. In, in terms of in terms of the mainstream media and so on, how do we avoid the sentim- sentimentalization of this process? Because again, that's something that I think many people find very objectionable in a way. Um, how 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 can how can that sort of complacency be avoided in that way? Yes, I, I think that's a, a great question, and it's it's very uh, difficult, I would say. But I think it's it's part of the the uh, the kind of difference between if we think about the kind of sentimental solidarity and politics of solidarity. Um, the sentimental solidarity is is more about um, moving people and finding a kind of um, maybe happy endings, whereas politics of solidarity is much more um, uh, kind of open to the contradictions that that are there and, and the processes that are difficult. And to me, the media environment is, and the campaigns and, and uh, are very much drawn to the sentimental solidarity because it seems to uh, also be something that that can very quickly or or in a in a kind of um, in a moment it can move people and give a good feeling and it, it's good for um, uh, raising funds and it's good for selling newspapers or or media otherwise good stories and narratives are born out of that. But I think that's the, that's the thing that we need to be careful of because it often also moves far away from the root causes of, the, of these kind of, kind of struggles. And it's not very, um, uh, it, it draws your attention often to, 
to uh, other things than what it's actually about. Um, so to avoid that, I, I think there is a kind of, there has to be resistance to that sort of closure. That's part of the sentimental narrative. Do you, do you think in one sense, the best position to take then would be um, in that philosophical sense, a cynical position? No, I'm, I'm very much um, against cynicism. And I think I write also in the book that the take is critical, but not cynical, because I, I think uh, there's also um, so much value in those different ways in which people want to take part, they want to, they want to do something, they want to try to change things. And um, they are not always perfect, often not perfect at all. But I think there is a, a tremendous value in that, trying to do something uh, when things look very bad. And, um, and to me, the critical approach is something that, that can try to, uh, try to make things work better or see the, the problems and work through them. Whereas cynical would just stand aside and, and not bother because you know, there's no point. And to me, that's, that's something that, that I, I can't accept. Sure. Yes, I, I I understand what you say. I, I suppose I'm thinking what I'm thinking about um, is the way there is a sense in which we are uh, encouraged, shall we say, to react to to, to, to media events, uh, and as you say, there is there is of course in one sense um, a validity to the fact that people want. To, to do something in response to it. Maybe maybe they change their Facebook page to a flag or whatever it may be, but there are other things. They may attend a, a demonstration or memorial um, uh, and, and so on. Um, I suppose what the, the, the cynical position, as I say, not cynical in that everyday sense, but in the, in the philosophical sense is to actually see the importance of, of having a break in that process. And that the standing back is not a rejection of, of, of anything, but to not be um, pulled into that process where you become part then of, of this managed uh, and uh, um, ultimately perhaps um, um, I don't know. I mean, I think about the, uh, of course, the the big example that you talk about, the Alan Kurdi example of the of the, of the, the child, and for all sorts of reasons, uh, most of them fairly straightforward, you know, with a, a child and innocence and, and and so on and so forth. There's this overwhelming response to that, but one wonders if actually that that the way in which that response was both generated and channeled led to to um, no change in the material processes that uh, so in one sense the cynical position is not to say well I don't care that this is a child but it's to say no I'm not we're not you know, I'm not going to be drawn into that process because what you're doing there 
is you know something else and what we should do is actually make a space between us and that and so I won't stand when everybody is standing in the same way because that is to see what I mean I wonder if there's something yeah. in that kind yeah. of idea yeah I think I think perhaps the way you use you talk about the cynical position is is something that I connect with the critical position so maybe maybe there's that's that's how we see see it in the same way and I think that's important. It's really important to to kind of um, question all of these these kind of campaigns and responses. And I think one of the one of the problematics of of this is that people are often um, uh, kind of invited to to become part of the campaigns by kind of inviting them to be good people. And and this is something that that of course people flatter themselves by by taking part in some campaigns and and um, and this is a very problematic approach to me because it doesn't really it's not about us in a, in a way uh, and again then it's it's a more about the kind of uh, narcissistic uh, project than really understanding what the struggle is about, and uh, and this is something that gets gets lost over and over again. So you mention uh, and you talk in the book. Uh, one of your uh, chapters is uh, um, takes as its sort of uh, case study uh, reality TV, which I, I'm not a great expert or consumer of, but. Do you see a, a difference between, for instance, documentary material and fictional material? Uh, and I'm thinking of the way, for instance, that, that Netflix with its many series and podcasts, true crime podcasts and so on, there, there are, there's a growing market for that kind of thing. But then I wonder if you if we think about sort of H HBO drama and so on. And it, my question, I suppose, is really in the role of imagination in, in that sense. Uh, do, you, whilst they, do you see them as just sort of equal and, and uh, but different? Or is there something to this idea where the imagination can more openly and freely be engaged in, in one sense of fictional I mean, it can be an issue-led fiction or an issue-led drama, but that's different from, say, documentary. Or do you think there's still something within documentary? Well, I, I really appreciate fiction that takes these topics and, and tries to, tries to um, uh, seriously engage with, with, for example, difficult social issues. And, and I, I think they, at best, they can they can do it really well and and open uh, as you said kind of kind of open imagination and and understanding towards what's happening people people may be may may be able to 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 relate to the fate of other people through uh, fiction as well seeing something that opens their mind in, in an important way so uh, i think fiction fictional television series and films they are very powerful they can be very powerful um, and but documentaries do that of course as well and 
I, I've seen in the, in, in the past um, five years, maybe there's been a, a real growth in, in documentary that comes from a really grassroots um, uh, direction that people who are, for example, migrants who are trying to uh, travel to Europe or trying to find find new home, or as one example in, in the book, there was um, Bushani who's in Australia, who was uh, captivated in Manus Island, and he's a journalist, and, and he started to, to make a documentary with WhatsApp messages together with a, with a film director uh, to create a story of what was happening there uh, for the asylum seekers. And I thought, I, I, I think that's that's really powerful way of, of, of kind of making things known to, to larger audience is to make them understand these struggles. So um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that the one is better than the other. I think they both have a very powerful way of, of telling stories and, and, and open people, people's ideas of, of what's happening. So certainly technology, mobile phones and the recording technologies, as well as uh, dissemination and, uh, of those things, I think is, is, is important there. So would you say then that the sorts of that, that, that example that you give of, the, of a documentary made by someone in a, in a, um, a tra- what would you call it, tra- transition camp or whatever yeah. that place was, um, would you say that that's at one end of the spectrum because that's sort of self-generated, that's that's facilitating their own voice in one sense? Would you say at the other end of the spectrum then is the sort of reality TV idea where a production company comes in, as far as I'm aware, stages uh experiences in one sense or, or conflicts and so on and so forth is there yeah. or, or is there anything or is there anything useful in the reality tv um mode shall we say has it ha- can you think of examples where it has perhaps and you know enlightened people or or been of a positive well, the, the, the case study that I'm looking there is the Australian series, Go Back to Where You Came From, which exactly stages uh, these kind of uh, moments for um, Australians to travel the refugee route and experience the hardships and then understand better why people have, have uh, arrived to Australia and, and how difficult it has been. But of course, it's... Um, uh, the reality TV genre is such a problematic genre because it could be, it could be interesting. It could uh, could be really worthwhile to make these kind of inter, uh, interventions in a way. But it it's really preoccupied with the so-called money shot, the the emotional moment when people break down and cry, and that's the that's really the main source of it. So it's really drawn to that sort of scandal and, and, um, and conflict uh, in the narrative that it's very hard to see how it could 
uh, work in a, in a better way. But of course, it's a, it's a genre that has millions of different variations and maybe there's somewhere a good one. <laughs> I, I'm not giving up on my maybe, maybe, maybe we should uh, find a way to make it ourselves and see if it can be done. <laughs> uh, that might be interesting use of research funding. Um, so one, one presence which runs through the book quite strongly is, is uh, Susan Sontag and, and um, the book uh, regarding the pain of others, which, which I've, I've very much read in the past and, and used. Um, and that's, well, that's concerned with many things, but one of the things it's concerned is to explore the, the limits of, of what can be considered morally acceptable to um, both inform because people need to be aware of perhaps the reality of a military conflict or war, whatever it may be, um, uh, and to think and act in relation to that. The, the, the question then is when does this become exploitation mm-hmm. and um, uh, how, how do you set that? And I think, for instance, Again, in, in terms of my own work, I think about the picture of David Kirby. And if you remember this from the 90s, and this was uh, photojournalist Therese Frey took a photograph of a, a young man dying of AIDS with his family, yeah. um, which was a World Press photo award-winning image. And then that was, shall we say, adopted by Benetton and reused and so on. And I, I often use this as a case study with my students because we have an image. It's slightly different because they've colored it. Uh, one of the last images actually to be hand colored, I seem to remember, but anyway, into, into the image. But, um, but the point is then that whilst the image may stay the same, it's, it's crossing certain boundaries and so on. Um, how, do you, how, how, do you, how do you see that in terms of that, that I, those ideas around images and, and solidarity? Do you have a sense of, of where a, a line might be? Was it, was it legitimate for those photographs of Alan Kurdi, for instance, or the other examples? I think you you've, uh, talk about uh, the, the picture of the, shall we say, shell-shocked boy in, in Syria, I think, sat in an ambulance, which I remember very much because of his kind of uh, stare, you know, yeah. his, his shock. Do you, how, how do you see that, uh, that kind of issue that, that Sontag struggles with, shall we say? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really important question. And I, I love the way she, she explores it throughout the, the book. I really love the book regarding the pain of others because it's um, it's in a way very simple <laughs> simple book but raises such a huge big questions and uh, and this is uh, I think this is something that that is changing all the time what is uh, what can be acceptable where where is the line and uh, for example the picture of, of Alan Kurdi uh, is is one that uh, I feel that that uh, distributing it was problematic because of of the the way the the uh, family and loved ones had to see it over and over again, and it 
it was really a sensational kind of way it was distributed. And uh, later on, there's been many versions of that uh, pictures and um, campaigns that kind of imitate the picture. Uh, and they, for example, put that figure of, of, the, of the dead child um, on the uh, border of Europe and uh, and they use use that picture kind of to criticize the the uh, European uh, refugee policy and also to kind of raise awareness to these issues and I've been discussing this with with many people and also with my students what they think about this and and uh, even these pictures are disturbing for many, but I think uh, to me, they move forward and they try to do something productive with that. And, uh, and in that sense, I don't see them as, as, a, as just simple kind of um, repetition or, or kind of using, using that image. One of the interesting images of this was the mural that appeared in, uh, I think it was painted in Frankfurt, uh, an image of Alan Kurdi where he's smiling um, and happy. And I think this was, a, again, maybe this kind of idea of trying to see happy ending in something that wasn't happy at all, which is also a bit problematic maybe. But anyway, this was then targeted by, by some um, far-right groups and, and they destroyed the moral and it was repainted. But I think it shows that these images and how they are used, they are extremely powerful. That you can, they, they really raise a lot of emotions and you have to be very careful about what to show and how to, how to circulate them yourselves also. Indeed, and just just to sort of to to finish, really. I mean, we, we've spoken about solidarity. I think very much in that um, s sense of generosity and so on, perhaps. But but I mean, at the same time, can can the media solidarities also uh, allow other organisations? or facilitate other organizations in, in much the same way? Is the, is the mechanism and the machinery much the same? Emotion, affect, um, and, and so on, but against identities rather than in common and so on? Yeah, I, well, we've seen in Europe in the, in the last 10 years, the, the far-right movement has been on the rise and I think they speak a lot about solidarity and they have their own websites and forums where they distribute images uh, that are very harmful to minorities and migrants, for example. And I think here the affective economy works exactly the same. But, uh, but it's exclusionary and it's solidarity that's exclusionary from the beginning. Well, thank you very much for talking about uh, uh, your work today. And um, thank you very much. Thank you.